0: You're listening to a sermon from Bentree Church in Loveland, Colorado. For more information about Bentree, visit bentreechurch.com. Amen. Good morning, Bentree Church. As I was preparing this message uh, for today, I was reflecting back. It was about 12 years ago, about this time of year, uh, that marked my last Sunday at Bentree Church as a college student. And it was in Loveland High School, and it was a very sweet memory. I wish I had pictures or something from that, because I don't. Certainly during that part of my life, I didn't take any meaningful pictures, we'll just say that, uh, or thought about those kind of things. But it's just very memorable for me, because I was about to be launched into ministry, I was about to move to Texas to be married, and to start seminary, and to um, eventually see two kids come into the world and start full-time ministry, but... Uh, this is the closest thing I have to a home church. The church I grew up in doesn't exist anymore, and so coming here is a special uh, thing for me. And I'm just so thankful, and I don't take it lightly. Um, but we're going to talk today um, about the title of the message is "The Family of Bentree Church," and we're going to talk about that very thing—that very thing of sending out, and what does it require for Bentry Church to function as a family? Which in part means that we're discipling people and sending them out. For further ministry, I work for an organization called Family Time Training. And in that organization, we specialize in home discipleship. So we spend all of our time talking about what God has called families to do to communicate the gospel from one generation to the next in the home. It's, we're passionate about it. Historically, our organization has gone all over the world talking about one of these facts, if not many, many more, which is parents are called to be the primary disciples of their kids. And that grandparents have a huge role in the discipleship process of their kids. Um, And so it wouldn't surprise you, if you've heard me speak before, if you know anything about our organization, to hear us quote something like this. This is from Dr. Vodi Bakum. This is from his book, Family Driven Faith. Moses saw the home as the principal delivery system for the transmittal of God's truth from generation to generation. There is no hint here, meaning Deuteronomy six, or anywhere else in the Bible, of the multigenerational truth of God being abdicated by power, parents, in favor of trained professionals. In other words, God's word doesn't have any room and never prescribes for believing parents to take their role as primary disciples and give it to somebody else, thinking that they would do it better. So most of my sermons have to do with that, and I'm really excited to to talk about that. But did you know that you are actually a part of a family? And you're like, well, of course I am, right? (laughs) But you might have come in here by yourself today. You might not have grown up with Christian parents, Christian grandparents. This Bintree Church might be your first exposure to the gospel. I'd say praise God, but you might be a part of a family. Now, there are some cliches out there that I want to address uh, you see some funny memes and some funny Instagram reels and everything's on social media where disgruntled employees a lot of the time are making fun of the fact that their employers refer to their place of work as family. Have you ever heard of this, right? Like, you haven't shown us any love all quarter long, but you're rewarding us with a pizza party, therefore we're family, right? And they kind of make fun of that. But you hear that language thrown around a lot, family, You hear it thrown around all the time. I love to watch sports. I love to watch, primarily I love to watch football, but I'm a bandwagon Nuggets fan right now, right? I mean, shouldn't we all be, right? Shouldn't we all be? What a great time to be a bandwagon fan. I've never paid attention to them before. Why not now, right? Like now's the time. Tonight is the time, right? So much fun. But even in interviews with the Nuggets lately, you see them talk about this element of family, Uh, Aaron Gordon, in a recent interview, was asked, like, what's the difference? Like, why do you guys seem so together? And he's like, well, we communicate well. This really the feeling of a family in the locker room. Coach Malone even said recently, on the count of three, we're going to say family. One, two, three, family, right? Though they are actually not a family, they've been through the trenches together. You might have friends and people you've gone through difficult times with. That It's it's almost too little to call them a, a friend. You want to call them family. All of those things are true, and yet, Christian... You're a part of a global and eternal family, the family of God. This global and eternal family of God isn't limited by denominational bounds. It's not limited by geographical uh, bounds, geographic bounds. It's, It's a family. If you went across the world today and met with a Christian there, you would have an instant connection. Even if you didn't speak their language, once you find out that you are either a son or a daughter of the living king. Right, We're a part of a global and eternal family, but you're also a part of a local expression of that family, what Jonathan Lehman calls this church being an embassy of the kingdom of God. It's like one of the embassies of the kingdom of God in Larimer County in Loveland, Colorado. You're a part of a family. Bent Tree Church is a local expression and a very meaningful one of the family of God. Today we're going to illustrate that um, with this scene of Apollos, which is kind of, it feels like a sidebar in the description of Paul's third missionary journey in Ephesus. We're seated in Ephesus in this episode, and we're going to look at basically three profiles during our time today. The first profile is the profile of Apollos or the individual. We're going to look at the individual, we're going to look at the characteristics of the individual we see here and what happens and what do we learn about them. Then we're going to look about a second profile, the family of God. We're going to look to see, like, what does the family of God do in relation to the individual? And then the third profile that we're going to look at is the same individual, but further discipled, further encouraged, further advocated for, and further sent out. That's what we're going to look at today, and we're going to begin in just a moment. But before we do, I love that this church has a spirit and an emphasis of prayer. So I do want to pray again. Would you join me? Father, thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for this local family of God. Thank you, Lord. I echo all the prayers of of Pastor Ed just a little bit ago. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing here, and I praise you for what you'll do in the future. Would you have mercy on me as I continue to speak this morning? Would you have mercy on me as I humbly try to approach your word with reverence? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's look at Acts 18, starting in verse 24. Let's look at it together. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. I want to stop right there for a moment and look at this first profile, this first uh, care list of character traits of what we just read about this man named Apollos. Here is what we saw, at least: he's Jewish, he's from Alexandria, he's eloquent, he's competent, he's trained, he's fervent, he's accurate, he's bold. Can you picture this guy? Can you join me in picturing this man? I would love to meet him. I would, if you ever get around somebody like this, I know I have many, many times, you get around somebody that has character traits like that and you just feel like this big. (laughs) They're so talented. They're so gifted. They're so trained. They're so educated. But there's not an arrogance about this, man. We're going to see this more in a little bit. There's not an arrogance about this, man. But I can picture this guy. Being from Alexandria, it doesn't really surprise us that he would have some of these traits. Not everyone from Alexandria and Egypt would have had these traits, but man, they match up with what Alexandria was. Founded by Alexander the Great, this place was the center of intellectual advancement, the center of intellectual thought, the center of philosophy, the center of trade. Think college town on steroids, a good college town, right? College town, there's some bad ones. Think college town on steroids. If you wanted to advance in your field, if you wanted to be a scholar, Alexandria. We don't know where Apollos was trained, like who trained him specifically while he was in Alexandria. Much of the theology and much of the philosophy and biblical interpretation in Alexandria, what we learn is a lot of it was unfortunately allegorical. What that means is they would submit the Old Testament primarily to allegorical interpretations and applications. Not a great thing. We know the Jewish philosophy was big. The name Philo was a big name with Jewish, he was a Hellenistic Jew in that time. Big philosophy center, it was this big center of thought and advancement, so it's not surprising that this man comes from Alexandria, and yet he was a believer. When you see this picture of Alexandria, I want to, or you see this picture of Apollos, I want you to notice that he... Luke here, the author of Acts, doesn't describe Apollos in the same way he does in the next chapter for the disciples in Ephesus that he encounters that had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. They were not yet believers. Um, He doesn't describe Apollos in the same way. Here's the way that you can summarize the way that Luke describes Apollos. This is a man who was a believer, who was trained and taught about Jesus rightly and was in need of further discipleship. He was in need of further discipleship. Which brings me to my first point. This is our first point for the day. This is for us, Bent Tree, this morning. In humility, be willing to be discipled by the Bentree family. I'm going to say it again. In humility, be willing to be discipled by the Bent Tree family. If anybody could have rejected the offer of discipleship, it could have been Apollos. He had the intellect. He had training, some sort of formal training. He could speak boldly in the synagogue. He spoke rightly about Jesus. He was fervent in spirit, we saw, which, and if you're reading the ESV, you see that it's a lowercase s, but some translations have an uppercase meaning the Holy Spirit. I believe it's lowercase meaning this man, when he got up to speak, he was a man of energy, of passion. He was eager to get the word out to the people, eager to be in the synagogues talking about Jesus. If anybody could have rejected the offer of discipleship, it would have been Apollos. I don't want to challenge you with something, or more ask you something this morning. Based on your experience, and how long you've been in the church, and what discipleship classes that you've taken, and what seminary you went to, or maybe you became a Christian yesterday, regardless of what it is, what is keeping you from discipleship this morning? I will say that Without any historical bias to this church or uh, any actual bias to this church, I will say that this church functions in a very unique way from the others that I go to. And I love all the ones that I've been to. I have never seen a church put this much emphasis on discipleship. That's true. I have never seen a church put this much emphasis on discipleship. I vividly remember uh, watching a bent Tree sermon when I was um, at, at home in Texas and a lot of the times I would just put Paul on in the background while I was getting things ready in the morning in my, in my work, like on a Monday morning or something. And I'll never forget, I can't remember the date of it, but I'll never forget when Pastor Paul literally got up in front of you and with tears repented to you that he was seeking at the time in the past to make this a more entertainment driven church, a church that was not focused on discipleship. And while I was cleaning or doing whatever I was doing in the office that morning, I literally stopped and went and looked at the screen. (laughs) What? And he was in tears, repenting to his church, and then declaring under God's grace and mercy that from now on, we are going to focus on the great commission of Jesus. Wow. That eventually led to the creation of uh, the discipleship pathway and statements like D3, Disciples Discipling Disciples. A lot of churches say that. A lot of churches talk about discipleship. And yet, the reason I'm telling you this is if you today, after hearing this message or after talking with somebody in the foyer or after praying with one of the elders after the service, you realize uh, that you need to be discipled, uh, they would be overjoyed and they have a process for you to go to that's not mechanical, it's relational, and it's meant to lead you from one step to the next for the purpose of your growth you don't have to be embarrassed of what you don't know. You don't have to be embarrassed of what you didn't experience. If anybody could have rejected a discipleship, it would have been Apollos. But you might be in that same place today going, that's for somebody else. For many reasons, I'm going to refrain. Which leads us to our next passage. Let's begin back in verse 26. He began to speak, Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him... They took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross into Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Let's look at the profile of the family of God. What has the family of God done in relation to Apollos and what we just read? Priscilla and Aquila approached Apollos privately and with care. Privately and with care. They didn't follow the sin of many uh, discernment bloggers of our day or uh, some really passionate keyboard warriors, right, Uh, to attack somebody publicly because they said something that they don't agree with theologically. No, no, no. They're not looking also, Priscilla and Aquila, to beat him down or to embarrass him in front of the rest of the people at the synagogue. No, no, no. What did they do? They went and they took him aside privately for his care, for his development, for his further discipleship. They cared for him. They cared for him. They approached him privately and with care. They instructed and discipled him further. And then we see this description of the brothers who encouraged Apollos and they advocated uh, for Apollos to the church in Achaia in Corinth. Now, we were introduced to Priscilla and Aquila at the beginning of chapter 18. Uh, where they were tent makers, and Paul actually lived with them at one point. Originally, Priscilla and Aquila were from Italy, were driven out by Emperor Claudius. They were driven out to Corinth and then followed Paul to Ephesus to be church planters. And here's the deal. You never see an indication of Priscilla and Aquila having an official office in the church. I want you to picture a man and a woman, a husband and wife who loved the Lord and wanted to seek him passionately and advance his gospel all over the world. That's Priscilla and Aquila. I would I would love to have a conversation with Priscilla and Aquila. They lived with Paul. They made tents with Paul. They followed Paul to Ephesus. Can you imagine Apollos being encouraged in the church in Ephesus that Paul founded and being advocated for and endorsed by Paul's friends and being trained by them and having him being sent out? Imagine the church in Corinth and Achaia. Receiving that letter of endorsement of this young, passionate teacher, Apollos. Do you think they were uh, ready to welcome him in their midst? They were. But why? Had, Paulus, had Apollos just remained in that early state that we saw in verse 24, not having gone through further discipleship and not having been discipled in the way that agreed with Jerusalem and was clearly and overtly Pauline in nature? Had that not happened? Being sent to Achaia and Corinth would have been a different thing. And yet, you see love. You see encouragement. You see advocating for. And just to remind you of that first point of our day, Apollos clearly received their encouragement, their encouragement, their correction, their, their instruction, their discipleship. Which leads me to my second point for the day. With sacrificial love, Know and disciple other generations at Bentry Church with sacrificial love. Know and disciple other generations at Bentry Church. Here's the truth, and I want you to hear me so loud and clear. My organization specializes in home discipleship. We know that as parents, it can be so scary and confusing. I'm supposed to disciple my kids, so what am I supposed to say? Or grandparents to say, I don't have any influence on my grandkids. What am I supposed to say to them? We love to specialize in that. And sometimes that can kind of become insulated and and families can kind of just focus on their home and their home alone when and forget the fact that you're a part of another family, the family of God, and that you need each other. You need one another. Sometimes also it becomes clear that it's easier to rely on elders and staff members to disciple other people than it is for us to be a part of the discipleship of everyone in here and everyone that will be in the second service, regardless of their age, regardless of their experience, regardless of where they are from. Let me say very clearly the kids of Bentry Church, the children of Bentry Church and in Larimer County, need to be evangelized and discipled. I know that's obvious. I know it is. But I I need to say the kids, the children here, that are here, and the kids and the children all over Larimer County need to be evangelized and discipled. The teenagers, the youth of Bentry Church and of Larimer County need to be evangelized and discipled. When people get in discussions about the validity of youth ministry and children's ministry, sometimes they miss this truth that regardless of how your church views, how they are supposed to evangelize and disciple these kids, these kids and teenagers need to be evangelized. They need it. In the same way that we need it. The difference is, most of the time we hope somebody else does it. When God actually calls us to do it. Which we'll say more about. The adults of Bentry Church and of Larimer County, need to be evangelized and discipled. They need it. In the same way that we needed it, believer. We need and still need discipleship. The senior adults in our midst, here and in Larimer County, need to be evangelized and discipled. And you are a part of that process. I want to read you a quote from a friend of mine. His name is Matthew DePrez. He says in his book on intergenerational faith, he says, an eight year old can teach an 18 year old and an 80 year old about following Jesus. And an 80 year old can teach an 18 year old and an 8 year old about following Jesus. I would say it this way as well every one of you needs every one of you. It is not someone else's job. Here we are, your family. And I know family can be a tough topic for a lot of people, and it's never perfect. It's never easy. It never fully makes sense. And yet, regardless of your experience, regardless of these things, we all need to be discipled, and we all need to be in the process of discipling other people. I love what Pastor Hunter said a couple weeks ago, where we all need somebody discipling us, and we need to be discipling somebody else. But it's to be done after the fashion of Priscilla and Aquila, where they cared. They knew They pursued, they advocated, they encouraged with the rest of the brothers there in Ephesus. Let's keep going. In the second half of verse 27, when he arrived in Achaia, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus, that the Christ was Jesus. I love, I love these words. I love the result. What is the result? We look at the third profile that we talked about earlier. This is Apollos, but further discipled, further encouraged, further equipped, advocated for, supported, and then sent out. He was helped. He helped in Achaia. He refuted in Achaia, and he sent out. He was sent out to Achaia. What does this mean? I love this language here. He greatly helped. This is one of the functions of a shepherding pastor or a Christian leader. That he would go into a place, that he would go into an area, that he would go into a church and really be a help to his congregation through the truth of God's word. To be a great help, Luke says. But not just that side of it. It says when he arrived, he greatly helped those through grace had believed for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public. Picture here a decisive victory in debate. That's what the language implies here. A decisive victory in debate. Not arrogance, not anything like that, but Apollos was an apologist. A true apologist, a scholar, having been further equipped by the church in Ephesus, sent out, armed with a more complete, correct with Jerusalem, and in line with Pauline theology, which was in line with Jesus' theology, equipping the church in Achaia, and a part of that is refuting the error of the Jews there in the synagogue who rejected Christ as the Messiah. Can I say that the world needs more of great help and needs more of powerful refutation? What do I mean? Not in arrogance, not in pride, or anything of the sort. But I can tell you that with new strains of things like progressive Christianity... And with new strains of taking the name of Jesus and, and lowering it. He don't really need Christ. He didn't really need to die on a cross and so much more, friends. So much more, friends, that progressive Christianity is bleeding into the church. And really, the answer is not a person, it's Jesus. But we need to pray that through Bentry Church, more Apollos, what's the plural of Apollos? Apollos, we need more like Apollos to be sent out into the world to greatly help and powerfully refute. Because people are hurting. Churches are hurting. Churches are gathering preachers in, like Paul said would happen, that would just entertain their own desires. It sounds nice to not have to just believe in Jesus for a lot of folks. You mean I can still worship the land? You mean I can still have Buddhist practices in my home and still have a synergistic Christ figure that Jesus was mostly confused about when he was here on the planet? I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Bentry needs more bentries. Bentry needs to send out more pastors uh, to continue to develop these people and send them out so that people would be greatly helped And that false teachers would be powerfully refuted. Not with opinions. Not with soapboxes. Not with political diatribes. But with the truth of God's word. To be taught accurately who Jesus is. To provide a solid foundation for hurting believers. Hurting believers. This is a a big deal. It leads to my uh, third point. Together... Fight the temptation to turn inward. Together, fight the temptation to turn inward. What do I mean? I mean this. I love this place. I, I can't communicate accurately how much I love this place, how much I love you. And I'm not even a member here. I can't communicate what this place is. It is special, it is different because of God's grace and God's grace alone. The temptation might be to enjoy that unique nature of this church so much that we just focus on ourselves. We just focus on each other. That's a temptation for me. When I find that good community group and I want to be a part of that and, man, try to break up that community group, this has actually happened to me in, in Texas. We, we were a part of a community group for a long time, and, and when the thought of multiplying that group to reach more people came, most of us, including me, me just a little bit more quietly because I was a church staff member, just inside, we're like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't know these people. We have to resist the urge to turn inward. Let me be clear. Some of you, God will actually call to stay in this church for the rest of your life to the praise of his glory. Really, truly. And there's no reason to be ashamed of that. Sometimes you hear discussions about church planting or mission work or something, and you're like, man, I, I don't feel called to do that. No, God may not call you to that. Directly or vocationally, you might be in this church for the rest of your life to the praise of his glory. Listen to him on that. And yet some of you won't. Some of you will be like Apollos. And like the church in Ephesus... Bentry will surround you, and while you may not be a pastor, you may be a missionary, you may be sent in the workforce to go be a missionary, missionary on the workforce or in the workforce in a new city that desperately needs it, but this church, I guarantee if you will let them know that you're moving, these elders, these members of this church will surround you and lay hands on you like they did for me 12 years ago and send you out after having encouraged, equipped, discipled you further so that you can be a part of the process of powerfully helping are greatly helping and powerfully refuting. That might be you, and we need to pray for that. It's not lost on me that I, I get to share the pulpit, really, with some amazing preachers here. You've been blessed with some amazing sermons over this last month, and every sermon that Pastor Paul gives, I feel the same way about. But I think about Pastor Wade, Pastor Hunter, Chris last week, bringing an excellent word. I think I think about these different uh, pastors and these different lay leaders and these young men and women that are coming up serving all over the place. I'm reminded of these names Sebastian, Chris, Christian, Adam, Brooke, Jacob, Zach, Wade, Robin, Devin, Brent, Gracie, Julia, Becky and many, many more here in this church that are being discipled. They are coming up. Did you see who was leading us in worship today? That should give us cause as a church to praise God that he's raising up young men and women to step up. And I guarantee, I don't know these folks that well, but I guarantee each one of them would say, teach me more. Give me more. I want to learn more. I know that when I was in their shoes 12 years ago, and when I was a new Christian, this was the first church where I was a member of a church for the first time as a Christian, a new Christian, growing for the first time, I was like a sponge, man, I was like a sponge. Tell me what I need to know. I need to read God's word for the first time on my own. I I need more. But just like what we said earlier, just like what we said earlier, it can be tempting for us as church members. I'm a church member in Inglewood, Colorado. It can be very easy for us to go, you know what? I hope the elders do a good job with those folks. Good luck. When God literally is calling you to be a part of that process. Different levels. God is calling the elders of the church in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. There is an office of elder, without a doubt. That is a biblical thing. They have a special role, but that special role does not exclude you, Bentry family member, from coming in the lives of these young people and not just young people, coming in the lives of the people that are here in this room that will be in the next service and those that can't attend today. Those that call Bentry home and are part of the Bentry family, you have a part in their encouragement in their equipping in their advocation in their sending out when god calls them to go i get this picture i get this picture after seeing who's been preaching up here i get this picture of what churches will be pastored by these people that have been up here what churches will be led and worship by the people that were up here some may be here for a long time we pray that we pray that that's true right that's, amazing people in here what but who will be greatly helped by somebody that has been discipled by godly people here and sent out to greatly help and powerfully refute i want to leave you this morning with four action points i don't want to leave this in your mind as just like a man that would be great if somebody sometime would do something like that what's for lunch right <laughs> I don't want to leave it there because I know I, that can happen to me a lot of times when I'm listening to sermons. I can think, wow, that's great. Uh, so what are we doing later, right? I want to give you four action points and here's what they are. Number one, these are things you can do. Join the global and eternal family. Join the global and eternal family. Some of you in this room are not Christians and the invitation is not one of condemnation. It is saying, we know that Christ died on the cross and rose again and offers the way of salvation only through him. He says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You might have been in church for 80 years. Great. You might have heard thousands and thousands of sermons, but do you know Jesus and does he know you? I would say in echoing what Pastor Ed was saying earlier, man, what an awesome day it would be if you came forward today and said, I want to know Jesus. Romans ten nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans ten thirteen says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Come to him today for salvation, for real life in this life and in the life to come. The invitation is wide open to you today. I literally beg you, to come to know Jesus. He will change your life in the way that he changed mine. The first thing is this, join the family. Join the global and eternal family of God. Be an adopted son or daughter, like Ephesians 2 and 3 talks about. Number two, join the local family. And they didn't pay me to say this, right? Right? membership of a local church. I, didn't, I never thought that was a thing. And then I can, I'll never forget when I encountered resources and began diving into them a little bit more and discovered that, man, this is absolutely a necessary and biblical thing. If you ever hear the pastors or the staff talking about joining the church and taking the next steps class or whatever language they use, I would encourage you, if you've been on the fence, it's time to be known. It's time to let them know you and it's time for you to know them. I really believe that those that commit covenantly to the Bent Tree Church are the ones that Hebrew describes these shepherding elders will give an account to when they're face-to-face with King Jesus, Judge Jesus. Join the family, be a part. And it's scary because we'd rather be on the outskirts. We'd rather not be known. (laughs) But church membership is an essential part. Remember, a part of what? A part of being a part of the process of discipleship for this entire congregation. Number three, pray for family members. Yes, your biological family members, yes. But I'm talking about the Bentry family. If you're wondering where can I start, this is a great starting place. Of saying, just taking a list like the list I read off earlier. Asking um, how for a list of youth that need prayer. Asking the staff about the children's ministry, ask, ask community group leaders, join a community group and learn their names and then just with a pen and paper, with Microsoft Word up or whatever, just write them down and choose a day during the week and pray for these people by name. Prayer is powerful, James talks about. It is essential. We don't do it enough. I don't do it enough. But It's one of the most powerful ways that you can begin knowing the people that you're sitting around right now and ministering to them. Their growth, I don't believe, will happen without prayer. Number four, know and be known. Know and be known. I can tell you one of the hardest things for me, going from being on a church staff for the better part of a decade, full-time, and sometimes you can hear church staffs of different churches complaining, and I know ours did sometimes. Why don't these people just connect? (laughs) Why don't these people just know each other? Why don't these people just... And then now for the last two and a half years, I've been a member of the church and not on the church staff. I can tell you that first Sunday, I felt completely useless, right? What do I even do with myself? But I've learned over the last couple of years that if I want to be known and I want to know others, it's on me. That's what I've learned. That might be different for you. I don't think it is. But what I've learned for myself is it's on me. If I want community, I've got to go get it. And the same is true for the person next to you and the person across the room. If you want to be known, the worst thing that you can do is sit at home and complain about not being known like I've done before to my shame. Instead, to take that difficult leap to say, hey, that potluck's coming up. I don't know what a potluck is and I don't want to go, but I'm going. Can we be honest? Is that an honest thing? There are times when an event at the church is scheduled and my flesh would want nothing more than to see no people that day, right? (laughs) Let me be alone, watch a movie I've seen 10,000 times and not talk to a new person. I hope this is a safe place for me to say that. When you begin to really be involved in communities, when you lay down your own preferences and lean into the awkward like my pastor says and just go. Just go. But for what purpose? For what purpose? That we would not rely on trained professionals to do all of the work in the church that God never designed it to be that way. Look at Romans 12. Look at Romans uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and the gifts God has given you, believer, to be an integral part of the discipleship of everyone in this room. Every one of you needs every one of you for the advancement of the gospel in Loveland and beyond. When this kind of radical and individual ownership takes root in Bent Tree Church, Larimer County will not be the same. Your walk with Christ will not be the same. And the quality of your relationship with Bent Tree Church will never be the same. It's time to lock arms and move forward in the discipleship Christ has called us to. Let's pray together. Father... I do thank you for the example of Apollos, but more so, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. God, we do believe, like Paul said, in 1 Corinthians 15, that we've been given this message of great importance that Jesus did come in accordance with the Scripture. He did die in accordance with the Scripture. And he was raised in accordance with the Scripture. God, Jesus is alive and we praise you for it. I pray, Lord, for anyone in this room that doesn't yet know you, that they would join the family of God, that they would believe those truths of 1 Corinthians 1 through 4. I pray, Lord, for the members of Bent Tree Church and those that are considering membership, anybody with an earshot of me right now, Lord, that they would feel the freedom to know and be truly known by this group of people. God, I do pray for young and old, however you want them to be encouraged and equipped and sent out, Lord, I do pray for them. For those that are praying about planting a church, revitalizing a church, replanting a church, pastoring an established church, for serving in academia, for serving in the workforce, God, I pray that the members of Vent Church would be a great help to Loveland, to Larimer County and beyond. God, I pray that with no pride intact, that they with humility under the banner of Christ Jesus would be able to powerfully refute the lies of the enemy only because of you. God, we give you this time. We trust you, Lord, that there's nothing we could do to earn your acceptance. There's nothing we could do to earn your love. There's no no training we could receive. Father, I thank you for the gift of grace that you've provided that we do not deserve. I pray, Lord, that you would call more to yourself today, that more people would join your family, and more people would be known and loved by their family members. God, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Bent Tree Church. To get connected at Bentry and for more information, please visit BentTreeChurch.com.